Welcome to Leap Into Your Story podcast, where you discover your inner story, break down the process, and meet others who've done it so you can leap into your own story. We interview amazing guests who provide powerful insights that inspire you to get your story told. Be sure to visit our website at leapintoyourstory.com, and while you're there, subscribe and like us via your favorite social media network. Now sit back, get ready to take some notes, and let's get started. This episode of Leap Into Your Story podcast is brought to you by Leap Into Your Story course. Visit leapintoyourstory.com where you have a guide to get your story told. I'm Victoria Anderson, and welcome to the Leap Into Your Story podcast. We discover your inner story work through the process, and meet others who've done it. We interview amazing guests who provide powerful insights that inspire you to leap into your own story. So be sure to visit our website at leapintoyourstory.com. And while you're there, subscribe and like us via your favorite social media network. And in this episode, we're going to learn about how to release your masterpiece. And I'm excited with my guest today as Dr. Adrienne McIan is here. She is a creative productivity expert helping creators to collaborate and innovate with ease and enjoyment. So welcome, Dr. Adrienne, and thank you for joining us. So before we dive into our questions and discussions, Tell us a little bit about your journey and how did you get here? Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Victoria. This is really lovely. So I'll start pretty early on. When people would ask me what I wanted to be when I grew up, when I was very little, my answer was always the same, Miss Piggy. And this tells you a lot about where my head was at at the time. Not only was I trying to be somebody else, I was trying to be a Muppet, like not only, not even a human being. Okay. So I had these kind of unrealistic expectations for myself and my life. And I spent a lot of my life trying so hard to be what I thought other people wanted me to be, what I thought the market wanted me to be. And it backfired unspectacularly. <laughs> So for a lot of my life, I was in relationships that were not very healthy. I have a couple of books about that. Um, I was in a very abusive marriage that almost ended in my death. I managed to escape that. And after that, I had this kind of hard reset where I realized that I really need to, to re-examine what I was doing, because why did I keep ending up in these situations? And so I really looked very hard at who am I? And I spent a lot of time like navel gazing and realized, wait, this isn't helping either. <laughs> the more I try to like obsess over myself, the less I seem to understand myself. And the further I seem to get away from that elusive authenticity that I kept seeking. And so I wrote this book, Release Your Masterpiece, and it comes out very soon. Uh, in fact, I think it'll be out by the time this, this airs. I wrote that book about the process that I went through to find the real me and to start releasing my authentic creations. And that really started with me just recognizing, okay, I have gifts. 
I have gifts that are unique to me. And if I'm not giving them to the world, then the world isn't going to have them. And I needed to stop trying to have other people's gifts (laughs) because those people already had those gifts and the world didn't need them from me. And so it was this process of giving those gifts that helped me realize who I was and to actually start to inhabit this authentic self (laughs) in this very fun and playful way. It helped me find this ease and enjoyment to creation that I had never had before. And so that's where I come to this place of helping other people to find their own gifts, to find their own creativity, to find their creative cycle that is natural and already within them so that they can just start releasing, releasing, releasing their authentic creations. Absolutely. I think at some point, everybody does come to that. I think on some level, usually there's a regret that you haven't done it sooner. Right. Yeah. I always say, you know, (laughs) when I, once I lit the spark, right, it burned my life to the ground, but I wouldn't have it any other way. In fact, I would do it again. I would do it sooner. I would do it more gleefully. Yes. Just burn it all. (laughs) Start over. And as I have said to some people, some bridges need to be burned down permanently. (laughs) Yes. I always say anything that can be destroyed by the truth should be. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I'm sure a lot of our listeners will be able to relate to that because, you know, my demographics are about people on the verge of changing. Mm-hmm. They, mm-hmm. They've always wanted to uh, write a book, but I, they don't know where to start. They don't feel, you know, they have the imposter symbol what do you call it? Um, imposter Imposter syndrome. syndrome. Absolutely. And they don't think they're good enough. I'll tell you, it's not, it's not about any of that. It's just about getting it done. And I've said it multiple times. I reiterate this in my online course that progress is always better than perfection. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. One of the things that I teach, this is, I call it the doer cycle. So it's Dreaming, organizing, executing, and revising. And you need all four of those things for a complete creative cycle. And often we focus just on that execution cycle that I need to get things done, right? But not only that, we're trying to mix together execution and revision because I want to do it perfectly the first time. I don't want to have to edit it. I don't want to have to iterate and revise it. It don't work that way, my friends, (laughs) okay? In order to just pour something out, first of all, you have to be open to inspiration. You have to be co-creating with source energy. You have to be letting it channel through you, right? And not getting in your own way and judging it as it's trying to come out and trying to be born, right? You have to just pour it out and then you have something to work with. Then you have something to revise and to edit but you have to take that leap. I love the word leap, right? That's in your title. And I love it because it really is. It's if you leap, then the universe can catch you. But if you don't leap, it cannot. We judge our own desires so much. We spend so much of our lives just 
picking at our own, what we want, right? And putting shoulds on ourselves. And it creates this toxicity around what we truly desire. And desire is like the GPS that leads you to your destiny. The, the word desire actually comes from desidere, of the stars. And so what your desire is, is what's actually written in the stars for you. But you have to embrace it and you have to accept it. <laughs> and so once you kind of admit that to yourself, when somebody says to me, I don't know what I want, I always laugh. I always laugh because that means, oh, you know exactly what you want, but you don't think it's possible. You don't think it's possible. And so you've crossed it off your list. And so there's nothing else you want, of course, because you've crossed off your list, the thing you actually want. <laughs> so of course you don't know what you want. What else do you want? Nothing, because you know what you want. You know what you want. And you have to trust that. You have to take that leap of faith. Right. Or yeah. at least test the waters. That's yeah, right. stick a pinky toe in, man. Like right. test the waters <laughs> because um, uh, my books are all memoir based, and mm -hmm. there is a common thread about you know you all of a sudden you have this something planted into you, and you're like, that doesn't make any sense. I uh -huh. you know I couldn't possibly do this or can possibly do that, but. Out of curiosity, I would test it, take a step and see what happens. And then all of a sudden, you take another step and then you, a little more is kind of, kind of going in that direction. You're like, this is too good to be true. Yeah. And before you know it, it reminds me of that scene in um, the Indiana Jones, the... Um, what is it? The in search of the Holy Grail, where he has to cross this deep chasm, and there's no bridge. Mm -hmm. But he takes the step first, and he doesn't fall in it because he knows this is where he's supposed to be. But there's no bridge, so he takes the first step, and he doesn't fall, and he realizes there's an invisible bridge that goes across that chasm. Yeah. So that's kind of how I felt a lot of where I didn't think it was possible, possible, because you have to initiate the direction. Yes. And take, even if it's a tiny step, then your bridge shows up. Yes. Your bridge is being created exactly. as you're stepping on it. Exactly. Because it's your desire that creates that bridge, mm -hmm. right? but you have to identify that, that point first, that, that, that destination, right. That exactly. destiny. Um, I love, so I always tell people opportunity does not come at a convenient time. Okay. Like the call to adventure comes at two o'clock in the morning, right. When you're dead asleep and have something important going on the next day, right. It does not show up at a convenient hour. Mm -hmm. And if you ignore it, if you, you know, put a pillow over your head or yell out, you know, opportunity, you're drunk, go home. It's just going to get louder and more obnoxious until it finally breaks in and helps itself to a sandwich. Okay. The universe will eventually knock you off of the wrong path. It will, and it will be very unpleasant. <laughs> so when you feel that first little feeling of like, something's not right, this doesn't feel quite right. Listen to it. 
listen to your intuition, listen to that feeling, or it will just get louder and louder and louder, like a little kid going, mom, 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 until you finally have to stop everything and deal with it. Okay. (laughs) So yes, I love that so much. I think it's so important for people to take that first step and not worry too much about the rest of the path, because it's not about the how, okay. The how is not even your, your responsibility. (laughs) Like, honestly, it's really not. It's the why once you have your why and you're really, really clear on that why the how starts to create itself. And I always say, think about, it's like you're in a car. Okay. And all you can see is what's in the headlights, but that's all you need to see. That's all you need to see because the rest of the road, don't worry about that yet. You haven't gotten there. It's still creating itself. So just focus on what you can see in your headlights and make sure you are directionally correct. Take one step in the right direction. And just like you said, it's like this bridge of synchronicities just starts to pop up. Anyone out there who has had this experience knows exactly what I'm talking about. It's like you meet the right person or you find the right book or you just these things fall onto your path. Maybe I'm the next thing on your path. I don't know, but (laughs) you find that thing and you go, Oh yes, this is what I want to feel like. This is what I want my life to be. And you, if you listen to that, if you trust that and keep making those little micro shifts, those tiny little shifts toward that, then your life becomes that. And it's freaking magic. (laughs) That's a good description because that's really what I've described it in my books too. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, an unbelievable, against the odds, magical moment. But yeah, you brought up a really good um, point. And it's funny because probably one of my best exercises to kind of help gauge is how you feel. And when I worked a particular fortune 500 company, actually fortune 100 company, um, they brought in a lot of uh, training on soft skills, believe it or not, big corporations. Oh yeah. Want to be sure that they try to balance out their programs. It's not all business. And you have, especially like with a big company that had well over 10,000 people I was dealing with, not on a regular basis, but at some point I had to interact with a good cross-section. So they wanted to be sure that you had all the right people skills. And there was a training that wanted us to don't ask your peers or your subordinates how they think about something. Hmm. Because if you ask them, how you think about something, it's going to go to a default, just kind of brush you off. But if you ask them, how do you feel about that? Yeah. You get a more authentic answer where if there are any problems, um, especially with like mental health and you you see somebody who's kind of sliding under and they don't, maybe they don't feel comfortable. I know with, in my job, I had quite a few uh, women and men who were in abusive relationships. So we had to ask them, not how are you doing? How are, you know, what's going on? How are you feeling? And you really got a different uh, conversation and honest conversation. 
Yes. Because it's almost like the lasso of truth with that question. And it's something you need to ask yourself. How do you feel about that? And that goes back to that gauge. Yeah. You know what? It's something's not right here. If I think about it, I'll make it feel right. Uh huh. But if I'll justify it, I'll rationalize it. I'll justify it. it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. But if you ask yourself, how do I feel about that? Yeah. I'm not really liking that. Then that's something you should, you know, move away from. Absolutely. Yeah. Feeling is healing. Feeling is healing. All of your emotions are important and useful. So when you get an emotion that is uncomfortable, I might say, we have a tendency to try to immediately override it, right? We want to get rid of it. We want to, you know, if we feel bored, we immediately pick up our phone. If we feel angry, we immediately want to solve the problem, right? Take a moment and just feel your feelings and ask them, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? Because they're trying to help you always. They're always there to try to help you. Sometimes it's very misguided, (laughs) but they're there to try to help. Like that little inner critic, right? The the one that's like, no, no, that book's not ready. Okay, that Mm -hmm. inner critic, it's trying to help you to stay safe in your reputation, right? It doesn't want you to embarrass yourself. It doesn't want you to feel shamed or humiliation. And so it's trying to protect you from that. But it's doing exactly the opposite in the long run. (laughs) It is very ineffective overall, right? So what you want to do is listen to what I call the reviser, right? The reviser is different from the critic. (laughs) The critic is there and you can say, okay, I get it. Yes. Thank you so much for trying to keep me safe. I love you. I love you. I love you. You can go take a nap now, right? (laughs) We're good here. It's like a little kid. You know, you just tell them like, no, there's no scary monster under your bed. We're fine. Okay. I appreciate the effort, but I'm okay. But that reviser is like your coach. That's the one that's like, I want to make you the best that you can be. And I want to make your creations the best that they can be for your audience, right? I want to make sure that when you, you know, you've created this whole orchard by pouring out what was within you, right? And now we're here to figure out, okay, well, what we want to give this audience is an apple pie. So let's go find the best apples in this orchard for this apple pie. And that's the process of revision is putting yourself into the shoes of your ideal audience and then figuring out what will make this the most useful for them. Because you can write all kinds of stuff that's just for you. (laughs) And that's really important stuff. Again, it really helps you figure out how do you feel, right? How do you want to feel? What are your core desired feelings? What do you want to feel more of in your life? And when you understand that, that's incredibly important for you, right? But then to look at what you've written and go, what's for my audience? What's really going to move them from where they're stuck right now to where they really want to be, from what they're feeling right now to what they really want to be feeling? And that is the beauty of the process. Yeah. That is. And now trying to get there, a little (laughs) bit of a challenge, but I'm big on baby steps. Yes. And starting out with, well, I wonder if I could, um, and then take, you know, what would that look like? Sometimes visualization is a little bit harder to do. I know uh, for me, 
you know, I know vision boards have worked out for people, but I'm more of a got to be a doer. I got to see some, I see some action. I don't want to be staring at it. Right. Um, And I usually, (laughs) I've done vision boards and I outgrow them in two weeks. So yeah, exactly. I actually I mean, like, have I what need I, a vision wall, yeah. maybe a billboard to keep up because it just, for me, it starts out with, wouldn't it be nice if I could? And the next thing I know, boom, things start moving in that direction, thankfully. But it's that curiosity, mm-hmm. you know, you have to have that initial openness to curiosity, to just wondering about yourself, wondering what you want, wondering right what is interesting to you right now? And we stop asking ourselves that question. It's such a tragedy. So I taught a summer school class last summer to middle schoolers and high schoolers. And what I found was that the middle schoolers were still really open to all kinds of ideas and were really aware of their own curiosity. The high schoolers were already completely cut off from that. Mm. They had completely cut themselves off from any anything they found genuinely interesting, anything that they were authentically interested in because they thought that's frivolous, that's not going to get me where I'm going, right? They were already obsessed and focused with like, how is this going to look on my transcript? And it just broke my heart. It broke my heart because I saw that's what happens to us right there. And it takes us, so many of us until we're in our forties, right? Looking back and going, oh my gosh, There went my life, (laughs) right? I don't want that to happen to the majority of people. I want you to stay in touch with your natural curiosity and your natural desire to play, right? Play is so important for everyone at every age. If you get cut off from your playfulness, you get cut off from your creativity. And if you're cut off from your creativity, you're not going to innovate. You're not going to think about things out, you know, outside of the little box, you're just going to be cranking out the same old, same old, and you're not going to be lit up from the inside or trying to copy, like being their own version of Miss Piggy, right? Online, Mm -hmm. you know, got to do the fish lips. You got to do all kinds of weird poses that are not natural, That's Um, right. you know, perfectly white teeth, um, everything perfect. Uh, Mm -hmm. So by some impossible standard, standard. That, you know, they <laughs> set. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah so whatever, absolutely. whatever their ideal is a perfect and instead of, and there is no interest in being creative at all. And that's such a tragedy. I just, mm-hmm. it, it, everyone listening to this, everyone watching this, I really want you to understand this. Okay. You are perfect. You were created exactly as you're supposed to be. And you are on your path right now. You are your path. Okay. If you don't like the path you're on, change it. (laughs) Make a little tiny micro shift. It doesn't have to be big. It could be one little habit that you change. Maybe you start uh, like uh, we were talking about, you know, vision boards. What I have is what I call a manifestation movie and I change it constantly. Okay. I just put together a little slideshow and I put music behind it and I watch it and it puts me in the right energetic space. Right. And if it doesn't, then I fix it. I change it. And again, it's like one little micro shift. Oh, this picture isn't working for me anymore. Get rid of that. Put something else in iteration, iteration, iteration. The more we try to build something perfect before we release it, 
the more miserable we will become. Okay. You have to just put stuff out there and see what reaction you get. You have to start getting vulnerable and telling your truth and putting yourself out there. And the right people will start seeing you doing that. And they will come and they will appreciate you for you, right? For the real you. And you will be giving them permission to do the same thing in their life. And that is magical. Yes. Yeah, there's a favorite, favorite um, uh, biblical proverb that goes, iron sharpens iron. Mm. And I always think of that um, because, you know, the odds are against that. I mean, there, there's reasons why people put themselves in the box because there, there are odds against you. Yeah. But if you can be inspired by somebody else, who did it against those same odds or greater. Yeah. Um, that's even more fuel to your fire to get the spark starting. And speaking yes. of the spark, <laughs> let's talk about to your tagline, the spark genius. Is this kind of, we've already kind of touched on that or is we know. So, so let me tell you the story actually, because it's a great story. So okay. I was really frustrated trying to figure out what my kind of tagline was. I had all these different kind of products and services and things, and nothing was really like gelling coherently together. And I was really frustrated by it. And I knew that I was my own blind spot, right? I couldn't see what was really going on with me. And so I was on a walk with my husband and he was really frustrated with something at the time that he was working on and he was complaining about it. And, you know, just kind of like grumbling about like, this isn't working and blah, blah, blah. And so I started, you know, I put on my coach hat, like you automatically do. And I started asking him some questions about it. Like, what have you already tried? And did you do this? And he was like getting really, really more agitated and more upset. And I realized, oh no, I'm making him feel like I'm judging him. Right. And so I stopped everything and I, I grabbed his hands and I looked at him and I was like, Hey, Hey, this isn't all on you. Okay. My gift is coaching. So I'm just trying to use my gift to help you right now. So you can step out of this mode of like, I have to fix this. No, you don't, you don't have to fix this. You've already done enough, right? You keep coming up with these ideas and that is enough. And he was like, Whoa, (laughs) just this kind of magic moment of like, Whoa it's not all on me. Like, wow. Right. And it was almost like I could see this little spark come off of him in that moment. Like this little thing went bing behind his eyes. And I was like, that's it. That's the magic. Like, that's what I love. Right. And he was back on track after that. And I kept thinking about that thinking like, how do I describe that, that thing that just happened? Like, what is that? What just happened there? Right. And so I asked him, I was like, what did that feel like for you? And he's like, it felt like I sparked genius. And I was like, oh, that's what I do. I spark genius because genius is not something that a person is. Okay. There are no geniuses and non geniuses in the world. Genius, like inspiration, is something that we all have access to at any time. Genius is out there. It actually comes from the word, I know I'm such a word nerd, right? It comes from the word jinn, the Arabic word jinn, like a genie, okay? And so what it is, it's this kind of like unseen force that helps us become the best that we can be in a moment. 
And you can spark it at any time by just being open to it and recognizing like, it's not all me. It's not all my ego, right? I am tapped into the source of all of energy. And I can at any time spark this creative genius within myself, but I have to get out of my own way (laughs) in order to do that. And you have to surrender. You have to come to that moment. And I know you all know that moment of just pure surrender. It's like, you know, whatever deity take the wheel, right? Like I'm, I'm out. I've done what I could do. I'm tapping out here. And the sooner you can do that, like the better things go for you. (laughs) Right. Yeah, there, there is um, two things that I think of is a lot of the great minds going even back to ancient Greek, all talk mm-hmm. about the power of creativity. Yes. Einstein's are, are more um, modern, uh, I guess, uh, quotist, quotist about the creativity, the power of creativity. But there's also something about hyper-focusing, de- it it's counterproductive. And somebody I knew once described it as being super, super hyper-focused is like trying to hold on to a wet bar of soap. <laughs> so the harder you squeeze on it, the further the res- the answer shoots from you. And there's something about this, you know, releasing just, you know, letting things fall where they are, let them settle. I don't know what it is. I know myself, I've had times where I was just trying to force, force, force something and finally said, forget it. Uh, And then without even trying, the answer shows up. Yes. I used, I love to tell this story when I was an executive assistant. Okay. When I first started, people would come to me and be like, this is on fire and this is on fire. Drop everything. We need to deal with this right now. Okay. And at first that's what I did. I'd be like, oh, okay. You know, I drop what I was doing and I go and like, you know, put out the fire. But then I realized I was just like putting out fires all day long and not getting ahead of anything. And so I finally decided I need to draw a boundary here. Right. And so when someone would come up to me and be like, this is on fire, drop everything. I would say, I am going to complete what I'm doing right now. And I will be with you in 10 minutes. And inevitably at the end of that 10 minutes, when I would go and check in with them, they had found a solution for themselves. There you go. Everything works itself out when you stop freaking out about it. Right. What I love about the cycle, the doer cycle is that it has a time for everything. So there is that time for the reset of letting go of a project that's that has too much resistance around it. And you just let go of it for a while and then see what else comes, what new energy comes to you, what new inspirations come to you. Get playful, get curious, be open to what is here, right? Not what you want to be here because you can't start a journey from where you're not. That would be so handy if we could be like, hey, I'm going to Boston. I think I'll start in New York. No, sweetie, you're in Seattle. That's where you're starting from, okay? (laughs) Excuse me. And so we have to start from where we are, but we don't always even know where we are because we don't stop and look around. So the dreaming phase, the dreaming phase is where we just stop. We get very yin, okay? And we leave emptiness. We need leave space to be filled. And we rest more. We dream more. And we invite that newness. And that's where that little sprout of a new idea 
can come from and the whole thing can begin again. But if you don't take that time to do that reset, then you will burn out. You will burn out and that project will never finish. (laughs) And you will start to hate it. Yeah. It loses the energy on it. Yeah. And it becomes very flat line. Becomes dead. Yeah. It becomes a dead idea. And, you know, if you've read uh, Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert, she talks a lot about this creative living. It's kind of my, my big thing. And, and, and she talks a lot about that. One of the things she talks about is how ideas, right, have kind of a life of their own. And if you don't act on them, they will find someone else. You see this over and over and over again in innovations. Someone comes up with an idea and then five other people invent something very similar within a very short space of time. Because that idea's time has come. And if you're not going to, you know, bring it to fruition, somebody else will. (laughs) And so if you have a great idea and you are in love with this idea, then you have to act on it. You have to act on it now or someone else will and you will lose it. It will die (laughs) in your hands. So just really take that seriously. When you get an idea, it is like a little baby thing right? And it needs nurturing and it needs care. And if you can't care for it, give it to somebody who can. Don't neglect it. You will regret that. (laughs) The inspiration gods do not look kindly upon that. Yeah. I've seen that happen. I've experienced that too. Me too. Me too. Well, let's dive into some of your books with the Mm -hmm. upcoming one. Uh, which is release your masterpiece. So let's dive into some talk about that. Maybe some of your other books. Absolutely. Um, So release, mm release your masterpiece is an interesting sort of meta book (laughs) because it's about my writing process, but it's also about just my process of finding myself and becoming myself. And so what I wanted to do with this book is really give people a practical guide to finding your own gifts, figuring out who they're for, and then giving them to the world in a way that won't burn you out, that will be easeful, enjoyable, and cyclical. So you can keep doing it over and over and over again and rediscovering yourself every time. Right. Because, of course, like you said, your vision board changes, you change. You're not the same person we were when we started this conversation. No, nope. just having a conversation <laughs> with somebody new changes things. And so that's the beauty of it. It is a cyclical process. And so that's what this is. It's really just helping people understand what the process of creativity really is. And then after that, I realized, well, there's that smaller cycle within that, which is the doer cycle. And so I created this thing I call the doer deck. It's a, and a cyclical organizer that gives you prompts for each time you want to create something new. And it takes you through that entire doer cycle every time, but it doesn't go on a set schedule because I really believe we have to trust our own selves. We have to trust our own rhythm. We have to trust our own intuition. And so if something feels too soon, then it is. If something feels like, okay, I'm ready, then it's ready. (laughs) And you have to listen to those little cues within yourself. So my other books 
that I wrote were both memoirs. And like you were saying, you know, there's, there's a special thing about writing a memoir. It is this very vulnerable space. And I wrote about these very vulnerable times in my life. So Melting Ivory is about that husband who tried to kill me. Where we met the whole story of our, you know, our kind of crazy wild adventure love story and then where that ended up and how I was able to escape. And then enough, so many people asked me after Melting Ivory, like, well, how, how did you, how did you get from there to where you are now? And so I wrote this book as a guidebook to help people who are in a pattern of emotional abuse specifically in the romantic part of their lives, but it can apply to a lot of different areas of your life and how to break that pattern and really find that confidence in your authentic self. It, I know having been there that anyone, anyone can end up in an abusive situation. It's not like, you know, you you have a special stamp on your forehead (laughs) or whatever it is, like anyone can end up in that situation, but ending up in an abusive relationship makes you more vulnerable to future abusive relationships. And so you need to look at those patterns and try to break them before you end up in this situation again. So that's why I wrote this book. Looking forward, when I wrote Release Your Masterpiece, here was the funny thing. So it all started with this one a kind of chapter that I had written actually as a blog post. And when I finished the book, I realized this is the one chapter that doesn't actually need to be here. (laughs) It was the catalyst for the whole thing, right? It was my inspiration that got me into this whole process, but it's not actually part of the process. It's its own process. It's a separate thing. And so I took it out at the last minute. And I mean, the last minute, like I took it out a few days ago and my book comes out on Sunday. So (laughs) it's never too late to decide that is the core of my next book. And I realized that that book really needs to be about creative living and how to invite creativity into every aspect of your life. Because of course, all our systems are holistic. They all work together. Nothing is a separate system that doesn't affect the other systems. And so it's really this kind of holistic checklist of how to stay, how to keep your antenna completely attuned to inspiration so that you are always open to the new ideas and that you can do the best work that you possibly can with those ideas once they come to you for yourself and for your audience. Yeah, definitely. By the way, I have my cat trying to photobomb here. <laughs> I love it. Welcome, kitty. Come here. Come here. Come here. Like it. Oh, it's just a little stinker. She has yeah. been cat bombing uh, my last few months. I don't know what's gotten in, but now she's here. All right, go sit down. You got your little rubbies. <laughs> Yeah. So I would say release your masterpiece is really the book for anyone who feels like they are not living their most authentic self right now, that they are, they haven't really tapped into the core of who am I and what do I have to offer the world? Maybe they're in a job that doesn't feel like it fits. Maybe they're in a relationship that doesn't feel like it fits. Maybe they are finding themselves in a pattern of saying yes to things that aren't really a hell yes. And then discovering, wait, that yes was a no to something else that I didn't even know was an option. (laughs) 
these are the folks that I think will really get the most out of release your masterpiece. Yeah, I think so. Cause I, I know, um, I think our biggest abusive relationships is to ourselves. Yes. By simply saying yes to the wrong things and no to the right ones. Yeah. And what we do is, and I do this all the time. You can read about it right over here. I do this all the time where I, I get, I find something and I go, well, this is pretty close, right? So I'm going to try to make it the thing that I really want it to be, but it's not the thing I really want it to be. And it's never going to be, and I can't really force it to be. And so then I hold on to it as a just in case for way too long. And that takes up the space that the thing that I really want needs in order to plant itself in my life. So you have to take that, like, again, the leap of faith comes in here because you have to clear space. You have to get rid of the things that aren't working. And that can feel so scary to not be in a relationship, to not be in a job, right? To be in this empty space is terrifying. Because we've been taught our whole lives, no, you have to fill that space, fill that space, fill it, fill it, fill it, fill it. No, you don't. You can keep that space empty and keep that little, you know, as Taylor Swift says, have a blank space, right? Keep that space blank until you find the name you really want to write in there, right? Do you find that thing that's really like the spark, the spark that lights you up and makes you go, yes, yes. We all know that feeling of like, yes, wait for the yes. Well, what are the three tips you can give our readers to explore explore their own masterpiece and maybe write about it? Um, What are some other tips that you can share? So my top tip is just listen to your intuition. That is so important. And what I mean by intuition is not necessarily a voice in your head, right? We don't all actually hear like words in our minds. Sometimes it's just a weird little feeling in the pit of your stomach, right? Listen to your body, listen to the signals it's sending you. If you keep getting sick, that means something. If every time you're around a certain person or doing a certain thing, you get anxious, and you feel your palms getting sweaty and, you know, sick feeling in the pit of your stomach, that's giving you adrenaline. Now that could be a good thing, right? If you use it (laughs) in the right way, because fear can actually be a big neon sign saying this way, this way, come here. This matters to you. You're scared because you care about this. And so you don't always want to back away from fear, right? You want to go toward fear. But you want to go toward fear in a safe and supported way. Don't just throw yourself into it and then go, oh, that was terrifying. I never want to do that again. (laughs) Take those little micro steps toward those things that scare you a little bit. So if, if, for example, the idea of doing a TED Talk is terrifying and exciting to you, like I say TED Talk and your stomach goes, right? What's one tiny little micro step that you could take toward TED Talk territory? Maybe you could read a book about it. Maybe you could take a class. Maybe you could get some coaching. Maybe you could you know, go into Toastmasters. Whatever it is, take that little tiny step 
toward that thing. If you have always wanted to live in the Mediterranean, right? Put Duolingo on your phone and start learning Italian or whatever it is, right? Just little things like that can really move you forward. I feel like that was all three, but (laughs) I can can keep keep going. (laughs) I can talk about this all day. And that's the thing. Okay. Here's another thing. If you have trouble writing content, if you have trouble creating content, then you have not found your core message because baby, when you find your core message, you do not want to shut up about it. You want to talk about it 24 seven. Absolutely. Right. So when you find that true core message that you think everybody needs to know, everybody needs to understand this. You want this written on your tombstone. You would tattoo it on your chest. Okay. When you find that core message, don't shut up about it. Be the expert on that thing. Keep showing up for it and people will keep showing up to listen to you and to read your stuff. Because if you really genuinely care about that, people can tell. When you have the fire for something, when you have the passion for something, it shows. And when you don't, that shows too. So really show up for your core message and the people will arrive. (laughs) The final thing I would say is really trust your own cycle. You have a creative cycle. Just make sure you're not, it's like a road trip. Okay. All of the people in the road trip are invited, but only one can drive at a time. Otherwise you're going to end up in a ditch. And so when you are in dreaming mode, the dreamer needs to be in charge. When you are in organizing mode, you got to let that organizer take the wheel. When you are in execution mode, Make sure you're letting that executor just do and do and do. The reviser does not get to sit on the executor's shoulder and give directions, okay? No backseat driving. (laughs) They will get their turn next. And then when the reviser comes in, then it's this beautiful energy of like, oh, okay, now we can make something gorgeous out of this. And then the whole thing starts over. But you cannot be everything all at once. And if you try to be, you will burn out very fast. I think those are um, perfect, perfect tips uh, that I know I can relate to for sure. (laughs) A couple of them I've already uh, can agree, especially with the burnout. So yeah, I always think it's for a greater good. (laughs) (laughs) It is. But the thing is, you don't have to suffer. You don't have to suffer. Because it stops being fun. It stops being fun. And playfulness is an essential energy for creativity. If you're not playing, then you're not open to newness. Because that's that experimental, creative, playful, innocent, childlike energy that we all have within us. We've just cut it off because we think that's frivolous, that's childish, that's immature. I need to be professional now. I need to be serious now. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, nobody, that's not fun. Okay. And people like fun. So if you're fun, then people want to be around you. So attract this, the energy that you want by embodying that energy. Exactly. Well, those are great tips. Well, uh, Dr. Adrian, tell us about where we can 
find more about you. Absolutely. So please come to my website. It is A-D-R-I-E-M-A-C, Audrey Mack at, uh, sorry, (laughs) AudreyMack.com. And there you will find a sample of the doer deck. You can also get a free chapter of Release Your Masterpiece. You can find out about the Innovators Guild, which is my free online community where people come to collaborate and innovate and co-create together. I would love, love, love to have your energy there. So please come see me. Come and visit and play. Yes, please. (laughs) Well, I do want to thank you for sharing your time and those fantastic insights today. And I want to thank my listeners for tuning into the Leap Into Your Story podcast, where you discover your inner story work through the process and meet others who've done it so you can be guided to your own journey with your story. So to remember to visit our website at leapintoyourstory.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. And again, while you're there, subscribe and like us via your favorite social media network. We're looking forward to seeing you next time here on the Leap Into Your Story podcast. Thank you for tuning into the Leap Into Your Story podcast, where you discover your inner story, break down the process, and meet others who've done it so you can leap into your own story. Remember to visit our website at leapintoyourstory.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're there, subscribe and like to us via your favorite social media network. We're looking forward to seeing you next time on the Leap Into Your Story podcast.